Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guest is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome in. This is the Thursday Deep Dive Show on Chit Chat Money, uh, the one we do every week. And we're talking to Fubo TV today. It is a very controversial name, one of the number one controversial names out there. So all three of us took a look at it. Uh, you know, me, Brett, Ryan, and then Ian will be joining us shortly. But first, we're going to be talking about seven investing. Ryan, do you want to give the pitch today? Yeah. So seven investing, if you use our code, you get $10 off. Typically it's $17 a month. So what is that? Like a 60 something percent sale? Huge discount. Huge discount. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're saving you uh, a lot of money, 10 whole dollars. So, I mean, feel free to sign up. You get a lot of great analysis from people we respect um, and people or analysis that we wouldn't be able to do, you know, especially with the biotech stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you're listening, that we don't understand biotech whatsoever. <laughs> well, so, not, uh, not at all. And if you, if they almost act as a financial advisor. I know the call, they're having like an investor call or sorry, a subscriber call uh, tomorrow. So you can discuss one-on-one with the analysts. It's a very intimate service. Um, that should be the day after tomorrow. So yeah, I mean, it's great, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And you know, if they get bigger, it might get less intimate. So now is the time to use now is the code. time. Yeah, you got to, got to get in early, but yeah. All right. right. Yeah, I think that's the whole sales pitch. Code CCM. Yeah, code CCM at checkout. And we're talking Fubo TV. We have Ian on today. Ian, how are you doing? You're up in Flagstaff, Arizona now. I don't want to reveal your location just for uh, uh, for, for headquarters. Headquarters for, uh, yeah, but how's it going today? Uh, it's going well, getting used to the cold weather. I know everybody loves hearing us talk about the weather, but trading Phoenix for Flagstaff is pretty different. Pretty different. Yeah, and we're talking Fubo TV. Um, yeah, I guess we'll get right into it. Uh, we don't want to give any of our takes away until the end, but Ryan, you want to introduce the company and kind of explain the business model? Sure. I, I think it's pretty easy to understand, but Fubo TV is an over-the-top media provider for streaming sports, news, and entertainment. Uh, so the easiest way to think about this is that they're essentially bringing cable over to connected TV. I mean, that that is really what they're doing. You subscribe. So Fubo TV buys out the rights to all these content providers. Uh, So yeah, yeah, channels. So let's say ESPN or whatever, they get the rights to that. They pay however much they have to pay in order to do that. And then they bundle that stuff together and they ship it out into subscriptions uh, that they hopefully get subscribers for. And their three subscription plans are family, which is $65 a month, elite, which is $80 a month or Latino quarterly, which is $25 a month. I think that third one's kind of funny, but it's like all the premium uh, Spanish Uh, channels. Spanish, like Spanish, like originally Spanish language channels. So if you're okay. Uh, And then, yeah, you basically get traditional cable TV, but it's just over the over Wi-Fi instead of like with actual cables. I had to have you explain this to me because yeah. I'm like a child and apparently <laughs> I only understand connected TV, uh, but they used to have real cables. So that's pretty much gone now. Um, so you can just use the Wi-Fi instead. There are still ads um, and they get a cut of that ad revenue, I believe. I'm not sure exact percentage, um, but yeah, the, the goal for a company like this is to hopefully uh, price their subscription at a fixed margin that's above their distribution rights, the Mm -hmm. cost for distribution. So 
That way they can just generate, let's say all their distribution costs per person are $60. They can charge $80 and they automatically get all that as margin. Um, but uh, Fubo doesn't really do that, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, am I missing anything on what they do? Or is no, they're very simple. I mean, they're going to get into trying to get into sports betting and they do have a sports and news focus, but we'll get into that you know, on the second half of the show. Okay. And uh, history, Fubo TV was co-founded in 2015 by David Gandler, who I believe is now the CEO. Ian, am I right? Yep, that's correct. Okay. And then Alberto Horiwela, I'm definitely getting that wrong. And Sung Ho Choi. So hopefully I got yeah. all those right. Tough test today. Yeah, but originally this was launched as a soccer streaming service um, and that changed eventually, I think in 2017 to an all sports service and then finally switched to what they are now, which is a virtual multi-channel video programming distributor. That's really long, but uh, if you see that abbreviation, which I think is VMVPD, that's what yep. it means. Uh, interesting note, AMC Networks was an early investor. Ah. Bullish? Nah. That a, is that a bull signal? For who? For who? For both. <laughs> no. I, I mean, what is it? I feel like AMC is just the, the company that licenses Breaking Bad and Walking Dead now. That feels like <laughs> their entire business. But All right. Uh, and then Fubo TV got really big. Uh, for being the first live TV streaming service to support 4K video for the 2018 World Cup. I think subscribers grew like 100% wow. after that. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of how they came to be who they are now. Uh, Ian or Brett no, yeah. on, on industry, competition, that kind of thing. Yeah, so the general tailwind for them, you know, is uh, streaming TV, right? So that's everyone can see, you know, cord cutting is is a – trend that should be over the next 10 15 years uh there might be a floor on you know cable subscribers but we'll see there's definitely a trend away from the cable box to people like you know netflix and other people like that who are kind of not direct competitors and then to things like fubo tv youtube tv sling etc others projected over 30 million cord cutter households in 2020 in the u.s and it's supposed to go by, grow by the high single digits over the next decade. So you shouldn't worry about with this company, the market, you know, collapsing on them. It's definitely a growing market. However, they don't, you know, compete directly with Netflix or HBO or Disney Plus, as Ryan explained above. Uh, the product competitors include someone like, you know, YouTube TV, Hulu Live TV and Sling TV. Um, are there any others you guys, you know, or no, those are kind of the big. I think those are the major ones. Okay. Is there like a direct TV now? Maybe? Oh, there, there might be. There actually might be. Yeah, direct TV is actually probably a competitor too. Yeah. All right. Okay. And then they also have the sports book business that they're not technically in yet, but have made a ton of investments in. And I think Ian will talk about that in his future growth opportunity. But that is a very fragmented market at the moment because, you know, gambling got legalized federally in the United States, but it takes all the states equally to do their own legalization. So they have to make the law, I, I think like 20 or so states have it legalized and then you have to get all the licenses. So, you know, there's no big leader right now, but out of the gate, it seems like, you know, there's BetMGM, there's MyBookie, there's Penn National, and then that's associated with Barstool Sports as well. Then there's a few others, but really right now that's anyone's market. Um, and FUBO is trying to go out, FUBO, sorry, FUBO. that's one, one strike, please drink. Uh, and then no need to really go into the numbers, but the opportunities for this market, I mean, both market opportunities are really large. I mean, they're over $100 billion. And right now, it's all an execution strategy for Fubo. So Fubo, Fubo, gosh. Is that strike two? Strike two. All right. Ian, you want to hit up the management and ownership? 
Yep. So like Ryan mentioned, uh, the CEO is David Gandler. He was one of the co-founders of Fubo. Um, you know, it started originally, like he said, as this soccer platform, and that still um, plays a role in their strategy today. So they have this saying that goes, come for, come for the sports, stay for the entertainment. And they think that they can attract people because of their live sports offerings. And then um, basically, you know, get them to sign up for these larger packages, though, because of the entertainment options that they have. There's some numbers out there that make that as many as nine out of 10 households that still have cable only have cable because of the live sports. And so they think they can really attract um, some of that market into this over the top offering. Um, they also kind of believe this is another piece of the strategy that we'll get into later, but David Gandler and some of the other executives really think that they can sell wagering to their existing customers, which makes it um, more attractive. They, they believe like acquisitions are really going to be powerful because they can just, they have a built-in customer base of about 500,000 subscribers who they can upsell on um, these, this gambling and wagering and that type of stuff. Um, the total director and officer ownership is around 30%. Uh, there's a few people, including a guy named John Texter, who was, um, they used to call him the former head of studio. He owns about 10 to 12% of the company. Um, the CEO owns about 5%. And then it's also worth noting that Comcast, Viacom, and Disney all own between 4 and 5% of the company. So this does have um, some ownership from other players in this uh, entertainment industry. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like a definite bio candidate for someone like Comcast. Um, Disney, it might not work out, but that's similar to what they did with Hulu back in the day. You know, AT&T, Comcast, and uh, one other, Fox, and Disney. They all owned Hulu at the start. But yeah, I'll get into valuation. Um, not much here. Uh, because, you know, they really have revenue and they're losing a lot of money, uh, which Ryan will get into in the earnings. But the ticker is F-U-B-O. Market cap is about $2.16 billion, although it's extremely volatile. Uh, so make sure you're, you know, tracking where it actually is when you're looking to trade for it. And also make sure to track the shares outstanding because they've done a lot of share offerings. So the stated market cap, if they start doing future, you know, common stock offerings or convertible note offerings, or if they give out a lot of stock options uh, as a way to raise money, um, make sure you're, you know, counting that in your market cap, you know, calculation. Um, if the company hits around 275 million in revenue for 2020, which it looks like they may have a close chance of doing, um, because they did announce a pre-Q4 uh, revenue beat, then their price to sales would be around 7.6. Although that is. Um, not for sure yet, but they did pre-announce that beat. And then there's really nothing else to report here because they got um, negative gross margins or at least break-even gross margins. Uh, so I can't even do an EV to gross profit, but I'll just kick it over to Ryan, you know, because the earnings, there's a lot to uh, dig into there. Yeah, the, they don't actually explicitly report gross profit, but I'll talk about why we see it that way. Uh, so third quarter revenue was $61.2 million, up 47% year over year, 71% growth if you exclude the FaceBank AG sale. Do you want to talk about what that was? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not an expert on that. Ian, if you know more about it, we can uh, you can talk about it too. But they were a live, uh, gosh, what were those things? You know when there's like a dead artist or something and they do a concert with a virtual hologram? They were the people that did that technology. So it didn't really fit in with Fubo TV and maybe it wasn't really a growth business. So they kind of sold it off. You know, okay. Am I getting that correct on that or? Yeah, they originally merged with them, I believe, in order to get access to more capital. And right. so that was the reason for the acquisition. And then once they kind of got the capital and the IP that they wanted to use, uh, they sold off the rest of it. Okay. 
And 87% of their revenue comes from subscriptions. The remaining 13% is from advertising. Uh, and advertising is growing at 153% year over year. But obviously, that is from a much smaller base. I think this year or this quarter, they had like seven and a half million. So if you, I, I'm not doing the math exactly here, but I think it's somewhere between two and $3 million last year. So the growth nominally isn't as high, uh, but they had 455,000 paying subscribers at the end of the quarter, up 58% year over year. Average revenue per user per month was $67.70. That grew about 14% year over year. And if you're looking, as I said, if you're looking for a gross profit number, they don't really have it, but they give a uh, a line item called subscriber related expenses. And those are basically the cost for distribution rights. Um, and those are variable. So for each new subscriber they get, they have to pay out or they have to, uh, they have higher distribution rights. And that's why we classify it as negative gross margins because they have more subscriber related expenses. I'm putting it in air quotes here. Uh, than they do in revenue. So they're paying more yeah. distribution costs, which we would consider basically a cost of goods sold. Yeah, and that's a number to look at over time. Um, is that growing like slower than revenue? If so, maybe they'll get the positive gross margin someday on a trailing basis, but right now they're not there. Yeah, ideally the idea is that you have, uh, let's say it's $60 a month to subscribe to Fubo. Uh, you want Fubo, You uh, Fubo wants to be paying you know, 40 or $50 for the distribution rights. Yes. Yeah. Right now it's at like $65 versus $66. So they're losing money on that. But I believe the distribution rights would stay a little more consistent. And if Fubo increases prices, then all that is margin hypothetically, but obviously increasing margins isn't super easy to do um, or increasing prices isn't easy to do. Operating loss for the quarter was $302 million. But 237 million of that was impairment of intangible assets, which was just attributed to the sale of that face bank reporting unit. Um, excluding that, they had a $65 million operating loss, so like negative 105% operating margins uh, doesn't look great. Uh, so the, their burn rate seems to be going pretty fast. It seems like they're burning through a lot of money. And I think that's why they ended up doing the equity raise that Ian will talk about. But something that did concern me going through this it feels like they're trying to mask their real numbers. There were some adjustments that were a little strange. They report non-GAAP adjusted contribution margin at 16%, um, which contribution, it, it was like, I read through it and it was already an adjustment in and of itself. So uh, it's like a double adjusted contribution margin. And for yeah. And a lot of that was for the timing of the content negotiations. If it weren't for that, it would have only been 10%. So it just seems like they were kind of trying to hide it. I think they should just give the numbers that like they didn't even report any numbers relating to profits yeah. in any of the headlines. Like you had to go down to the tables. That should be something that you shamefully put at the bottom, but at least put it out there. You know? Yeah. I mean, the uh, they're not required to, I guess it just has to be in the 10 queue, but yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I look at some of the stock-based compensation and stuff and some of that depreciation because it, it, it can matter. But re in reality, I look at that cash flow number, and I think it was like they've lost $72 million in operating cash flow over the last nine months. Um, that's the true number people need to look out for because if that number doesn't turn positive, they're going to have to continue to raise money. Ian, what do you have for Yeah, that's exactly sheet? right, and that leads right into the balance sheet. Um, 
so on the most recent balance sheet we've got, they had cash reported of about $39 million, but they did do, as Ryan alluded to, they did do another equity offering. And so that cash balance should be somewhere around 200 million-ish. Um, we'll see exactly what it is on the next balance sheet. It is kind of an interesting balance sheet though. They have a lot of goodwill, which as we've talked about before, is the difference between what you pay for a company you acquire and what the book value of that company is. And so when you hear about people paying a premium on a company, part of that is, or that that all goes towards goodwill, but there's also other things that are included in goodwill as, as well. But um, goodwill along with the other intangible assets make up about 70%-ish of the assets um, on Fubo's balance sheet which is pretty concerning. That's a big, like that's a big portion of the balance sheet. That's basically got no tangible assets. Now, the reality is they do have a lot of book value that, um, so like it kind of cancels out. They have all these intangible assets, but they don't have a whole lot of liabilities that are against those intangible assets. So it's not a, it's not a like a super red flag, but it is something to be aware of because Mm -hmm. as we saw in this most recent quarter, um, they're susceptible to write downs. And so the EPS number can be, can get hit pretty hard. Now, anybody who's investing in Fubo probably doesn't care about EPS right now, but it's just something to keep in mind. They've also got about $46 million in debt, which will become a net cash position with the proceeds from the offering. And it has been paying down a bit of the debt. Um, I think about $10 million in the last quarter. And I don't know that I really want to pin this on Fubo, but I think it's worth bringing up that uh, Quibi comes to mind a little bit because this is the type of business that has high acquisition costs and content costs. And so you both have to pay a lot for the, for the content, like Ryan was discussing, and they're paying more for the content than they're actually taking in right now. And you have to pay to acquire the customers. Um, if they're able to get to scale, it'll work. Um, and the balance sheet will be a problem, but if they don't goodwill impairment and debt carrying costs could become an issue. Um, it's also, as, as we've been talking about, they're probably going to have to issue more shares in the next few years or debt in order to keep up with this cash burn. But um, they did they did raise some cash in the most recent quarter. So they've got a little bit, they've strengthened the balance sheet a bit. Yeah, definitely watch out that share count. They are trying to raise some money to go after these big investment opportunities that they see, you know, out there, the sports book and, you know, trying to dominate the uh, VMVPD market, right? If I'm getting it correct, I, I, hate, it, I, hate, yeah. those, I hate those acronyms, but um, if you guys don't have anything else for the info, we're going to hit an ad break and then get to the second half. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? (sighs) All blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Welcome back. Next up is competitive advantages. Uh, We're going to start with Ian and then go around the table and uh, see what we think. So Ian, what do you got? Yeah, so it's hard to find a a real competitive advantage because of things like YouTube TV. Like even YouTube TV is their similar offering is priced at the exact same price level as Fubo TV. So um, it's becoming a little bit of a commodity and it's funny because it's disrupted this industry. But I will say it is trying to develop a competitive advantage that I think is a true competitive advantage through an integrated sports book. And so combining TV audiences with live betting um, 
is something that I think that would be something that's different than anything on the market and could create a competitive advantage for Fubo. Okay. Ryan, what do you got? Uh, I, I went with existentialism, uh, which is something that a lot of companies throw out uh, there. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, oh, well, we're the only ones that really care. But, you know, Google probably doesn't care that much, honestly. If YouTube TV fails, it's uh, irrelevant to their business. Um, so uh, this is something we talked about with Spotify. But, yeah, I think they are they have the potential. They have one focus. Um, and that can usually be reflected in the product. So uh, Spotify, I think, sort of won that music market because the product was so good and yeah. they really cared a lot about it. Yeah. Um, well, battle's not over, but they're winning right now. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so I guess that's an opportunity. <laughs> I, I Yeah. No, I think that's it's, real. It's like a backhanded competitive advantage. Yeah, it's true. Like, it's true. But we have nothing else going for us. So yeah. You got you to gotta have a good business model, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm not really sure if Google has one because if you don't have the gross margins, it's it's kind of uh, tough to build that up over time. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I never thought about that. Ian, what do you think on like that one? Does that make sense at all? The existentialism, you know? I, I think it can. I think it's um, it's not like one of those real strong ones that you go, oh man, this is a great competitive advantage and you feel real confident in. But I think there is something to that. Okay, yeah. I'll hit mine. I mean... I couldn't find any really solid ones, um, sim- you know, similar to you guys. I mean, maybe with their uh, the stock price going up so much, they have an access to capital. I wouldn't define that as a true competitive advantage because that can change if the market disagrees with the management. And also, then also, c- competitive advantage is an advantage over your competitors, which yeah. you don't have more access to capital than, than Google. Google. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, I get what you're I saying. I mean, more access, maybe more access than Sling. You yeah. know, but. There's also Hulu, who's owned by Disney, which has more access to capital than than them as well. Uh, Maybe aggregating the sports content, because I know that it is tough. You know, a lot of people find trouble when they're trying to, you know, figure out how do I watch sports here? Where do I have to go? Because all those rights are all complicated and stuff. Uh, But ah, that's going to be tough to do. And in reality, I don't know if they can do that better than Disney or Fox or Comcast, even, you know, who owns NBC. All right, uh, future growth opportunities next. Uh, Ian, you have sports betting, so you want to talk about that? Yeah, so let's let's talk about sports betting for a minute. Um, just today, the day we're recording this, actually, they executed a binding letter of intent with the interactive gaming company Victory, which is going to propel name. their... <laughs> or go ahead. So I was just going to say that's a good name. Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's an interesting name, but... Um, they're expecting that to help them launch a sports book before the end of the year. Sometime, sometime in 2021, they want to get a sports book going that's going to be standalone, but then uh, eventually integrated into their TV and their sports offerings. So they really want it to be a free-to-play gaming experience, which I'm not quite sure exactly what that's going to look like or what that, that's going to mean. They've been a little bit vague about it, um, but they believe it's going to drive new lines of revenue through the actual gaming experience and also increase engagement, which will then help with their ad monetization. And so they think it can create a little bit of a flywheel effect. I know that term gets overused, but they think that's going to happen. It'll be interesting to watch. And I think that is a sports or a growth opportunity in a way that they could differentiate themselves. Yeah, I did see them uh, have, they talked about the flywheel on their conference call. They also talked about their unit economics being strong when I was like, guys, come on, we can see that, but uh, that is not, <laughs> they're not strong right now. But Ryan, what do you have for future growth opportunities? This isn't one of mine, but I'm just now thinking about this. 
you know, with $200 million in cash, it seems like a, like a barstool partnership would be huge. Yeah. But cause they have 90% of NFL games. Yeah. I mean, they no, that'd be, that would be strong. Yeah. That definitely would be. I mean, I know from, I was going to say this from my highlights on low whites, but all my friends that are whatever under 40, I guess they're all under 30, but they love, they're going to bet with barstool when it's the possibilities there. You know what I mean? Like they, they love it. So, and if you can be the place where people are like watching and betting simultaneously, I think yeah. uh, you kind of got to be with Barstool in order to do that. But my growth opportunity is going to be flights as a customer acquisition funnel. So, this quarter they announced a partnership with satellite internet provider Viasat. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, to bring Fubo TV Sports Network to JetBlue flights that are equipped with internet. So, that's Customers so get yeah free access to their sports network while in the flight, um, and that's only if you subscribe to Fubo. No, or is it for anyone? It's for anyone flying okay. JetBlue. So JetBlue. I'm sure JetBlue paid them yeah, for this, yeah. but they can subscribe from their seat if they really enjoy that experience. So that could be a good funnel, but I, I fear that they risk like becoming uh, uh, known as like a flight network. <laughs> You maybe, know what I mean? Maybe. Like if that's successful, they're going to be like, oh, well, those are the guys that like can show you sports on a flight. Like, yeah. And the thing is, do. most times on flights, like I've kind of gone to the thing where, you know, you can download from your streaming services now. And I, I mean, I guess if there's a huge game you want to watch, you might want to watch it on the, the sports network that's connected to the Internet. But I, I've kind of gone to the downloading thing because whatever they have on those go go in flights things, they're usually just so hard to operate and the screen is terrible that. I'd so, rather just watch it on my phone or another, you know, my laptop or iPad or something. That's what I was thinking of was the GoGo. Uh, I think GoGo is like a company outside of it, but all yeah, I yeah. do is I just attribute it to flights. Yes. Like I think they have a full business, but I just fear that they end up turning into that. But I do think it's an easy way to get customers. Like if they have a good experience with that and they see like a good catalog of sports and they're like, oh, I can just subscribe uh, yeah. and download it at home or have the subscription and play it anywhere. That'd be great. Yeah. Especially if people are thinking about cutting the cord already, it could be the catalyst where they're afraid that they're going to lose all their sports content, but they'll actually have it on Fubo. And that is your growth opportunity. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I had trouble finding any outside of, um, you know, the sports book because that's kind of their big bets. Uh, but cutting the cord is, you know, it's a good tailwind that they have. The value proposition is kind of something along the lines of you don't need your cable provider to get the live options on cable. So it's like, all right, maybe the pricing is the same or maybe it's a little bit less, but we can get the same channels that you would be through Comcast or Charter or whoever is your local cable provider. Um, the only question though, is that there's a lot of competitors out there because with the internet, just, you know, it's just over a Wi-Fi or broadband uh, connection anyone can compete with them as long as they have the capital to invest in it. So YouTube TV, you know, Hulu TV and Sling, they're all competitors doing the exact same thing. I mean, as YouTube TV, they, they can just run that at cost and it's not going to affect Google's margins at all. That, that's just something where I'd be concerned with like, does Fubo have, Fubo have any pricing power, you know? Yeah. But I use YouTube. Uh, this plays into my highlights and lowlights. So I'm going to go ahead and just my yeah, lowlight right yeah. uh, or my, highlight is that uh they could be they could be the good traditional tv provider for streaming youtube tv kind of sucks sometimes i use it and like yeah they could run it at cost but if the product sucks i'd rather pay up for fubo if it's really good okay interesting okay um but i there no one's paying up for fubo right now so that's like you know 
I guess they have shown the average revenue per user can increase, but right now uh, they're going to have to do it incrementally every month, every quarter or whatever in order to be get cash flow positive. Yeah, and I think the concern with that, and maybe Ian, you can talk about it, This you think this is a concern as well. So the difference like between them and cable is back in the day or still currently when you subscribe to cable, um, there's only one option and that's basically their moat, right? Someone like yeah. Comcast, no one can come in and just say, all right, we can offer the same thing uh, because you got to literally dig the cables to get to your house. But for these things, like the switching costs aren't high as long, unless they make them high, like, you know, to call them up or go on their website and cancel. Um, I just don't know if that can ever like, unless the, it's, it's all about the product and the execution, on, you know, what the product does and how good it is. Ian, what do you, what do you got on that? Yeah. And I think just to piggyback on that, I think they have an issue that other streaming services have too with retention. And I know that they've talked about it a little bit, I think in their last conference call that they think retention is improving, but people will sign up for the soccer season, watch all the soccer games and be like, okay, I don't need this anymore and unsubscribe. And this month to month subscription just lets people, people who want to be more active. And I think as more and more subscription services are out there like this for streaming, people are going to say, rotate their services and say, I'm going to do Disney plus this month and I'm going to do Netflix next month. And then it's soccer season. So then I'll do Fubo TV and people don't want to be paying for all of them at once. And so I think it's kind of inherently, um, you know, there's some, there's going to be some churn and some turnover. Yeah. I would be worried about the churn as well. Maybe they could do some sort of like, uh, like make it higher during NFL months. Like make it um, higher, or you can do an annual pass kind of I, thing. Yeah, I don't know why the lot of I, I like the sling idea where you just pick fifteen channels because most people minimum or maximum are watching like eight. I mean, I watch like two. <laughs> like the uh, I don't want all hundred. You know what I mean? Can't they do that customizable thing where it gets a lot cheaper? Yeah, that's kind of what you're saying as well. But Ryan, you want to finish your highlights and lowlights, and then yeah, uh, highlights for me is I. From the bearish point of view, I'm seeing a lot of stuff that I saw with Spotify early on, which is like they are just a middleman. Yeah. And yes, I, I do kind of think Fubo is a middleman, but if you can get to scale and own the customers, then you don't, you know, you don't become as much of a middleman. But the low light for me though is that the subscriber-related expenses or the distribution costs, um, those things are paid out on a per subscriber basis. So they're losing money per subscriber in my opinion unless you do a double adjusted contribution margin but um they run the risk of like if they get mass adoption really fast they run the risk of having a huge deficit like they they lose more money the more subscribers they get so they have to do it like slowly or work on advertising better or work on that sports book but that's going to take investment as well yeah i guess like uh if you've seen the show Silicon Valley, there's that scene where they like buy out all the pizzas because they're like acting as a loss leader. Yeah. And then they like get too much revenue too fast and go out of business. Yeah. So I, I guess there's just the risk that they fall over their skis forward. Um, and then, yeah, it just feels like a risky, uh, yeah. risky plan. And, and the Spotify comparison, I think is apt to a point but one spotify has like 25 percent gross margins so they can invest down the income statement without hemorrhaging money and two they are they have to what is it 250 million you know maus so it's a little different than five hundred thousand. yeah all right uh, Ian, Ian, yeah what do you got yeah so i think a couple of the highlights are the accelerating revenue growth 
Um, paid subscribers are expected to exceed 545,000 um, in this next quarter. And I think there's an interesting angle with the sports gambling. I think that has, you know, a lot of legs to it. It's not the type of company I like to invest in, but I think the sports gambling is definitely becoming a growing market. Um, and then for the low lights, it's similar to what Ryan talked about, the the negative, what we're calling gross margins. Um, and, and like Ryan mentioned earlier, they don't even really report that gross margin, which I have to assume is because no one wants to see a negative gross margin. So um, just going straight to operating expenses, but even in operating expenses, it doesn't look too good because in operating expenses, we see about $85 million in SG&A and $111 million in revenue. And so, um, you know, that's 80% is going to SG&A and about 17.5% of revenue is directly attributable to marketing. And so they just have those high customer acquisition costs and these high content costs. And the question is going to be is can they get enough subscribers and enough other incremental revenue streams that they can overcome that initial um, kind of negative gross margin there. They, with, if they added on sports gambling, if their advertising continues to grow at the rate that it was, and they're able to make that more efficient, I would assume, you know, and it's the only thing that <laughs> we can assume, but we would have to assume if Fubo is successful that, the, that advertising revenue and that sports gambling revenue, and potentially they're able to get better distribution deals with some of these, um, with some of these providers at scale, um, that they can turn that gross margin positive. But um, it is a little bit concerning right now. Yeah, I'd agree with all those points. I'll hit mine. I mean, I, highlights for me, the strong ARPU growth was higher than I thought. So I, I, I mean, I'm saying here that they don't have pricing power, but if they continue the ARPU growth, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and it seems like it's smart going at it by the sports angle. I know, like I said before, it's frustrating when those blackouts happen and stuff like that. So they can solve that value, you know, that is really like, I don't know, sometimes I just get really frustrated when things like that happen. You know, you have to be on a certain Wi-Fi network, your local blackouts, stuff like that. If they can aggregate a lot of the sports content, or at least for certain sports fans, um, I think that could be some sort of a value proposition for people to subscribe to them versus someone else. Um, although that's going to take up a lot of investments, you know, there's going to be losses while they try to do that because that is such a complicated industry and the rights to all, all this stuff is really expensive. Um, yeah. low lights though. I mean, there's a lot, uh, negative gross margins. Like you both, you said they're competing with well-capitalized competitors. So Google, you know, like can leave YouTube TV as just at cost and Hulu TV is probably at cost right now. Um, they're going to need to invest, you know, billions in the rights and the sports books to make that product viable. I mean, one thing to, or two things to consider with the sports book is, you know, one, it's not legal everywhere yet. Two, you have to have a physical location in each state, I believe, in order to do online gambling. So they're going to need physical locations, you know, whether it's just a tiny one and then it's always online. And then another concern I have is that I, I don't know why, you know, I don't know if having it on the TV really matters that much because, Say you're like 31 years old, you got a family, and you like to do a little bit of sports betting. When you're watching with your kids or something, um, you might want to just do the bet on your phone. You don't want to expose them to this type of stuff because if it's on the TV, it's exposed to everyone. Well, I think you, uh, I think they that was that's like the end goal is to be able to bet on your phone during the game. So then, what's the point of having? What? Why does games on TV? I know, but you can do that with other providers. Yeah, I guess. I think they're I think they're looking to do both. They want to have the app so that people can do that, but they think that they're I think they would disagree with you, Brett. I think they would say that there's something special about having it integrated into the actual broadcast. And I think you're making some good points that that 
for a lot of people, that's probably not necessarily the case. And oftentimes, I think for these types of um, innovative solutions, the rule of thumb is it has to be 10 times better than what exists. And so is having it on your TV 10 times better than doing it on your phone? Probably not. That's a really good point. It's probably just as easy to pull out your phone and do it, but... Yeah, and I think another concern, if you are a shareholder, you have, you're, you're almost betting on the entire shareholder base being able to ride, you know, these losses for a few years. Are the shareholders going to be able to, you know, stick with management as they go through these heavy losses? I mean, maybe they can, maybe they won't. I just think that's a concern. You know, it's something you're betting on. Yeah, what about, I mean, are you, I think I know your answer, but are you more or less interested than yesterday i'm uh i mean there's some things that surprisingly were better than i thought but it's just the gross margins to me and the fact that i don't think they have any competitive advantages with their business model Um, gross margins can change though they can change but i think i it's i don't know i don't see a path where it can here i don't uh so i'm I'm less interested i think a lot of people took that bezos quote to heart maybe a little too (laughs) too much he meant operating margin but (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, I guess this is like the whole which horse you're betting on because the upside is really, really high, but the likelihood is, in my opinion, pretty low. And I tend to weigh uh, accurate bets. Like I I tend to care a lot more about being right. Yeah, uh, sure bets, sure bets, right? Yeah, and less about upside, but that's just my personal preference. Um, Some people think of it differently. I I do want to note that, uh, Beth Kindig is a shareholder who we think highly of. And, and she's I, done a lot of research on them. Yeah. Yeah. And I've said, I, I wouldn't bet against her. Uh, I would not bet against Fubo TV. Uh, but I would say I'm a little less interested than, yeah. Uh, I mean, there are, there were surprises though. I think it was getting a lot of negative light on Twitter and yeah. it was like a lot of people that hadn't actually looked into it. Yeah. All right. Ian. Yeah. I think you summed it up there pretty well, Ryan. Um, I would say I'm a little bit less interested, but th- it does have some interesting pieces of the business. And I think it does have that upside. It's one of those ones that I would never bet against because it could really prove you wrong. And um, I think if they're able to get to scale and if they emerge as the winner, this is going to be a major winner over, um, you know, over the next five years. But there's just a lot of execution between now and then. So for now, I'm a little bit less interested. Yeah, I think you got to be comfortable if you're investing in Fubo. You definitely have to be comfortable knowing the fact that the entirety of your investment could could go to it could go to zero. There's that potential here. Yeah. I guess that's what there's that potential with everything. But yeah. Also, also there are the uh, like th- there is the idea that there are certain events that I would pay almost any price for. I would pay a hundred dollars to get full coverage of a World Cup uh, for like a month. So, I mean, there are, if they have the best product for sports, they do have some pricing power. But those, but getting the exclusive rights to sports is so expensive. Yeah. It's so expensive. NFL is about to go for like 15 billion, I think, or larger, which I don't know what Fubo can get. Who's going to get that Disney, Fox, or Amazon, but all right. You guys got any, no, anything else? Okay. That's going to do it for this episode. Use our code CCM at checkout to get $10 off your first month at seven investing. Remember we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you on our next episode.